Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a loss to Virginia and the future of Syracuse lacrosse. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest is our great friend from SNY, Eamon McEnany. Eamon, appreciate the time as always. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Good. Looking forward to catching up. Yeah, Eamon, same here. And I want to get you started on this one. It's been Maryland's year. They absolutely dismantled Johns Hopkins over the weekend, 22-7. And those are the kinds of margins they've been winning by all year, with the exception of your alma mater, Notre Dame. They only beat them by two, but they're 12-0. and They've been ranked number one the entire season. Can anyone stop them? Uh, it certainly doesn't look like it. I mean, obviously on any given Sunday, but, uh, you know, they, they took it to Virginia uh, you mentioned Notre Dame gave them a close one, but that was about it. You know, Rutgers uh, went down there with some momentum, and they jumped them right away and took care of Rutgers. Um, you know, the Ivy League teams were playing well at the beginning, you know, but now Princeton and Cornell have hit a rough spot, so you don't think they're in Maryland's weight class. So, I mean, it's tough to find a team right now that jumps out at you and says, oh, yeah, that's a team that can challenge um, challenge Maryland. You know, you, you could never vote a team – you can never count a team like Virginia out if they get a chance and get healthier. But certainly right now, it looks like Maryland is uh, at a different level than everybody else. Eamon, you mentioned it. Princeton has been one of the more surprising teams. Granted, they've lost a little momentum recently, but I think Jacksonville has been a huge surprise as well. What would you rate as the biggest surprise of the year as we get closer to the end of the regular season? Uh, certainly Jacksonville individually, but I'll go back to the Ivy League as a whole. Uh, no one really knew what to expect from that league after taking the whole year off. Um, I didn't expect a complete free fall like some people did. Um, but, I, you know, like you mentioned, Princeton's a surprise. Um, and then just when you think, okay, yeah, sure, okay, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, they're going to be good. All of a sudden now they've kind of come back to the pack, and now Brown and Harvard are beating teams and playing as well as anyone in that league. So it's kind of role reversal. You know, the Ivy League this year is with the ACC – Used to be. Used to be the big boys who would go out and get major out-of-conference wins that the rest of the conference could live off of, and then they'd beat up on each other. Well, that's what the Ivy League's doing now. You know, um, Princeton has a win over Rutgers. Cornell has a win over Ohio State. Um, uh, there's, one I'm, uh, there's one I'm missing right now, but they have a – you know, Penn has one over Duke. So, you know, that league has the good out-of-conference wins, 
and then you never know which team is good and which or which team is playing well and which team isn't because you know Harvard comes in and knocks off Princeton and then now Browns won two big games in a row. So you know there's going to be a team that will make the Ivy League tournament that probably has a good argument to make the NCAA tournament. So uh, I think as a whole, how good the Ivy League is, top to bottom, has been a major surprise. Eamon, another surprise, but probably in a bad way, is Syracuse. They're in the midst of a five-game losing streak, their longest since 1975. Eamon, Syracuse started as a preseason top 10 team, and now they're going to have a losing season for the first time since 2007. What's happened to them? I mean, injuries were a major problem. Uh, You know, they've lost a ton of talent uh, uh, to injuries, and I don't think they were deep enough necessarily to begin with to bounce back from that. Uh, You know, I think they're going through a transition period. Um, And, you know, it kind of reminds me of what Virginia went through when it it changed from uh, Dom Stargia to Lars Tiffany. Uh, Not apples to apples completely, but that's what it reminds me of. And Lars Tiffany had Virginia back on top uh, in no time. So, um, if you want to get Syracuse, I would get them now because, you know, obviously we all know they have a good recruiting class coming in, uh, headline, headlined by uh, Spelina out of Mount Sinai um, on Long Island. So, and obviously Gary Gate and Dave Petramala and that staff knows what they're doing. So I don't expect the Cuse to be down for very long, but certainly this is not a uh, Syracuse-type season. It, it, it's certainly surprising to see the results week in and week out, but I, I think injuries have a lot to do with it. Yeah, and Eamon, we'll get you out of here on this one. You just mentioned injuries, but what else can Gary Gate do to turn things around for next year? Is it just a matter of getting healthy? Is it scheme? Is it getting a new recruiting class to come in? Uh, Check, check, and check. Uh, You know, like I said, I mentioned the transition, you know. They played for so long for one coach and one staff, and now it's completely different. Even though Gary Gate obviously is a Syracuse alum and has great connections to the program, it's a different voice. It's a different message than what they heard. So I think, uh, you know, the more comfortable they get with the coaching staff, uh, the healthier they get, and an infusion of talent, you know, I I think they'll be fine. I mean, obviously there have been some blowouts, but there's also been, uh, you know, a lot of close games. So um, I think it's just a comfort level with the staff and the players and, you know, just getting some more talent that I think this incoming class uh, will bring with it. Eamon, thanks again for coming on the program again. Eamon McEnany from SNY. Eamon, I mentioned this pre-show, but I think this is the 10th year you've been on the program. So thanks for all of your insight over the last decade. We appreciate it all. Enjoy the rest of the college lacrosse season. We'll speak with you soon. All right. 10 years, man. It goes quickly. That means I'm old. But uh, always, fun <laughs> talking, always fun talking lacrosse. And, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be an exciting postseason run, but it's going to be tough to see if anyone can uh, knock off Maryland. Yeah, thanks again, Eamon, and we'll have to catch up with you after the NCAA tournament to see if you're right. Speak to you soon. All right, have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Always great to chat with Eamon, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad Syracuse with a 21-15 loss to Virginia on Saturday. That dropped him to 4-9 on the season. They're on a five-game losing streak for the first time since the 1970s, what did you see in this game? Well, Wes, I really thought Syracuse was going to play a better game than they did. I was really expecting more like a performance in the win over Duke earlier in the season. But as the game progressed, it was clear to see who was the better team, and there wasn't going to be an upset on this day. Syracuse has just suffered a season-long series of injuries, 
the lack of cohesiveness both at the offensive and defensive ends. And when you go up against more talented teams, well, uh, more oftentimes than not, you're going to lose the game. Uh, again, it starts with, you know, some success at the face-off circle, but not being able to convert enough of those opportunities into goals at the other end offensively. And then on a defensive end, it's been a season of adjustment with new uh, defensive coordinator Dave Petromala, and it's really you know, taken its toll in terms of how many goals Syracuse has given up in games this season. I mean, when you give up in the mid to high teens – and then hit the 20 mark or more against opponents, well, you can really see uh, the lack of a defensive effort and defensive ability, again, of cohesiveness at that end. And the goaltending play uh, with Bobby Gavin has been hot and cold. This game was reminiscent of the Notre Dame game, that, that being the Virginia game this past Saturday, in which he got shellacked in the first quarter and had to be pulled and pulled early against Notre Dame, and then the same situation uh, against Virginia. So Harrison Thompson came in, gave the Orange a little bit of a spark, but when you're playing a top 10 ranked team that has so many offensive weapons like Virginia does, it really can turn into a long afternoon, and that's what happened to Syracuse in dropping its ninth game of the season. Brad, I asked this question of Amen. I'll ask it of you. For all intents and purposes, the Syracuse season is over and we're looking to next year. What can Syracuse do to get back in the NCAA tournament picture next year? Well, obviously, you need more talent on the field. Injuries wiped out so many players, uh, starting with Owen Hiltz before the season even began, and then losing four, five, six key players at different intervals in the season. You know, there's still something to be played for before even jumping to next year, West, and that's in this Notre Dame finale. Here's a chance to avoid a 10th loss. That's something that no Syracuse lacrosse team has ever had happen, losing 10 games, and we're talking about a 107-year history of the program. So that's saying a mouthful right there. Try to end on an up note and gain momentum and not have that historic losing uh, record of 10 defeats in a season. And I think if Syracuse can get a win over Notre Dame and avenge that one-sided loss to the Irish a month ago at South Bend, it will give them some momentum going into next season. Now there's a ton of talented recruits coming in, and it's going to be an off-season where the coaching staff really has to drill down and institute what's going to be the best way to play at both ends of the field. Are there any philosophical changes we're going to have to make? Uh, is there any adjustments we're going to have to make to the talent we have on the roster? So many questions uh, for uh, head coach Gary Gate, coordinator Petromala, and offensive coordinator Pat March. They're really going to have to do a lot of uh, reviewing a film of all the 14 games this season, seeing the strengths and weaknesses of the players on the roster that are returning, and then looking to see what's going to be the best fit for a talented class of recruits coming in. But also, let's not forget this, Wes. There's so much talent in the ACC and in the top 20 programs nationally, and we've talked about this in years past, Sometimes it's just the difference of inches, hitting goalposts, just missing goals, having a, a turnover at the most inopportune time. 
sometimes those little elements make all the difference to having a successful season, advancing far in the NCAA tournament, and competing for national championships. But I'm going to look at this optimistically, putting faith into John Wildack, hiring Gary Gate as the right man for the job, Gate maintaining Pat March as his offensive coordinator and bringing in such a defensive uh, expert as Dave Petromala on the, that end of the uh, of the field that they're going to be able to turn this around. Now, it's going to likely be a tough schedule in 2023 when they add the non-conference games to an ACC schedule that will have two games each against Duke and North Carolina rotating from Virginia and Notre Dame this season. But also figure you're going to have Cornell, you're going to have Hobart, you're likely to have Army, you're going to have tough non-conference games as well. But, I, you know, it may be tough again in 2023. I wouldn't expect a 5-9 and nine or 4-10 and 10 record next year. But at the same time, it may not be, you know, automatically thinking they're going to be right on the cusp of an at-large birth for the, birth for the NCAA tournament. That may be more like 2024. So I think Syracuse fans have to be a little bit more patient. This rebuilding job is going to take, you know, probably another season. But I am optimistic that uh, getting uh, everything together from the, from the roster standpoint, roster management, instituting the philosophies at both ends of the field, and then getting a little bit of luck at the same time that the Syracuse lacrosse program is going to be back where uh, Arch Nation expects it to be. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, on that theme of a possible 10th loss, uh, a history-making record for the Syracuse lacrosse team, you have to go back to 1916. Yep, you heard me correctly, Wes. 1916 for these three major programs, football, basketball, and lacrosse, to have losing seasons like they've had. And that really is saying a mouthful. I mean, we talked about it during the basketball season. There have been winning seasons for 50 consecutive years. We've talked about the glory of the Syracuse football program in the Ben Schwartzwalder era and then in the glory years of Coach Mack and Coach P. And, of course, we've had uh, this downfall in, in, the, in the 2020s uh, and, and really in, in the 20th, 21st century so far. But, again, I'm going to look at things with a glass-half-full attitude. For, for all of the sports, of course, there's no place to go but up. And I think Dino Babers will be able to turn it around in 2021. Sure, I, there's question marks about the offensive and defensive line, but really the rest of the roster, I like what I see. For Jim Beheim and the basketball program, they're bringing in six talented recruits. There's a handful of uh, holdovers that are really talented in the starting lineup. And then again, as we just alluded to about the lacrosse program, I'm looking at it there with no place to go but up. That's going to be the right direction under John Wildack and the athletic department's leadership that Syracuse fans are going to have some winning days ahead to look forward to in the refurbished dome as this decade proceeds. Brad, my closing thoughts are from the Syracuse football recruiting world. The Orange lost out on UCF defensive tackle transfer Cam Good, who announced earlier this week that he's transferring to Michigan. This one hurts for the Orange because they had him on campus and Good listed Orange as one of his finalists. Syracuse graduated all three starters from last year on the defensive line. They badly need a veteran presence there. I think Syracuse will continue to mine the portal for options, but for right now, the D-line remains the biggest concern heading into the 2022 season. 
That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I love the saying safety first because it makes me wonder what's next. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 